Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kevin Johnson program. Thank you so much for listening as we spotlight and profile the creative community of arts, culture, and entertainment here in South Florida. You can find us on anchor.fm forward slash Kev John Pro. We're also on Facebook and Twitter under Kev John Pro. And I'd like to introduce my guest at this time. And I'm so excited to have him on because he has a long lineage. And normally I don't do long introductions, but he has a long lineage here in South Florida theater. And we're going to talk about it. This is the Hall of Famer known as Wayne Leggett. What's going on, Big Wayne? (laughs) Thank you for having me, Kevin. That was quite an introduction. (laughs) Hey, well, like I said, I mean, you've got, uh, you know, you've got a long pedigree in the game. So, uh, you know, I only know you from the, uh, the, the, the stage presence that you have. Although, to tell you the truth, of course, we've crossed paths many a times. I know, like, back in the day when we used to, you know, battle on the message boards for Florida art zine because there was a lot of issues and, and politics going on there. And that was way before, yeah. way, way before uh, what we call uh, Twitter. <laughs> that yeah, was the Twitter was of our day. before any of the Facebooks or, or even MySpace or any of that stuff. God, I've just got a vague memory of all that stuff. I, I, I couldn't even remember what that message board was called. That's quite a blast from the past. That's a very good memory. Yeah, yeah. But let's, you know, go all the way back to the beginning. And we're very transparent here, so you could always correct me if I'm wrong. But are you a Florida okay. native? I am, yeah. I was born in uh, Fort Lauderdale in uh, Broward General Hospital, as a matter of fact. Okay, okay. And I kind of glanced over your resume, but... Um, I think we share uh, that we're both Dillard alums, Dillard uh, School of the Performing Arts, right? I'm so glad that that you said that. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, about doing this podcast, and I was trying to tell uh, my friend Michael who you were, and I said, I'm pretty damn sure that we went to Dillard just at different times. Um, I I graduated there in 86, and Michael in 87. When when were you at Dillard? 94. I graduated 94. Gotcha. But, um, but like, Bruce Brown was probably still there, right? Yes. Yes, he was. And maybe even Mary Beth Strauss? She was. She okay, was. Okay, okay. Excellent. Yes, yes. So, actually, you must have started the performing arts when you were a babe, right? Yeah, I mean, it's probably somewhere when I was, like nine or ten, something like that, I discovered that I could sing. I I think I was just like, you know, singing around the house. Um, My father, uh, while he had nothing to do with professional show business, just as a hobby, he played the banjo, and he also, he also played something else. I think... I think my mother played the accordion and he played the banjo and and nothing professional or anything, but he just, he happened to have an an electric banjo in the house. And so he had a, uh, an amplifier and we found ourselves with, uh, with a, a microphone that you could plug into that amplifier. So as this little kid, I don't even know what songs I was singing. I would plug the microphone into the amplifier and I would just start singing. Mm. So my mom says, you know, like, okay, well, this is great and everything, but you know, you should do 
do something with this. Um, so I, I think I started to recruit some of the kids from the neighborhood. They would come over. Uh, we would write little sketches, scenes, plays, whatever. Uh, sometimes there would be music. Uh, and I would just put on like these little variety shows in my living room for whoever wanted to watch them. I think for the for the most part, my poor mother had to be subjected to the majority <laughs> of them. But I think I think occasionally some some of the other kids' parents would would come over and watch it, and we would get all dressed up. You know, I mean, any any kind of like you know suit and tie, or you know for 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 the, for the girls, they they throw on like a you know, like early version of a prom dress or whatever. And we would like pretend we were on network TV, you know, doing like the, 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 the Jerry Lewis telephone where everybody's in tuxedos and right. stuff. I mean, it, it was, it was just crazy. So finally, my mother found this, uh, this after school program at the Fort Lauderdale children's theater, which of course is still around today. Right. And, uh, when I was about 11, uh, she got me involved at, uh, FLCT and that was really the beginning of everything, because that's where I actually, you know, got structured classes in acting and in improv and in stage combat. We had classes in, um, and this um, this incredibly wonderful woman who I actually I just uh, like five minutes before um, you called me, I just uh, posted this thing on Facebook. The lady who uh, was the artistic director of Children's Theater back then, named Nancy Yoey, uh, just passed away two days ago. Okay. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what all the circumstances were, but she was 80, and I heard that she was in poor health the last couple of years of her life, and uh, actually she, she just passed away. So I was looking at some, some old pictures of that time, um, and you know, that's, that was my introduction to not only doing shows at Children's Theater, but uh, they had an arrangement with uh, Parker Playhouse. And every year, uh, Parker Playhouse would let Children's Theater put on their big musical. So, you know, before I was even an equity actor, I got to perform at, at Parker Playhouse, you know, with, with, the, with the likes of, um, of uh, uh, Elizabeth Taylor and George Siegel and John Lithgow and, you know, some of the, some of the greatest performers in the history of show business nice. uh, played Parker, you know, when, when they were doing their tours. Anyway, I'm going on and on and on about this. Yeah, somewhere around 11 years old, I went to Children's Theater, uh, discovered I could sing, and discovered I, you know, I guess I had no fear of standing up on stage and making a complete ass of myself, <laughs> and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> now, how did you get into the program at Dillard? Because... Out of the most of the, as we know, Dillard is a magnet school for back when I was there, it was a yes. magnet school for high tech, for mm -hmm. computers, as well as the performing arts. And it was only the only magnet school in Broward County at that time. Yeah, I don't remember hearing about the uh, tech aspect, maybe in the in, in, in the mid 80s or early 80s, I guess, when I started there. <clears throat> it was definitely a magnet for performing arts. Um, I remember we had explored the possibility of me going to a Catholic um, high school. I know we were we were looking into uh, Cardinal Gibbons and we were looking into St. Thomas. Um, I, I don't think my parents like wanted me to go to to public school and I'm not exactly sure how she heard about Dillard or how the how the magnet thing ended up working out. Um, but I remember I got an audition. I went and did the audition. I got approved. 
Um, and I, I started uh, the magnet program in my freshman year. You know, you would do uh, three or four uh, of your academic classes at your home um, high school, which for me was Boyd Anderson. And then you got bussed uh, to Dillard around one o'clock. And mm. I always said, you know, from, from one until four is when my real school day started. And when I, you know, really had a had a good time and, uh, you know, I mean, performing arts is the only way that I've ever fit in, in, in my, in my world, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not the football jock. I've never been, you know, the, uh, the best looking guy in, 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 in any given situation. You know I mean? It was, it was just the way I fit in. It was the way I got girls. It was the way I, <laughs> I connected with, you know, everybody. Right. Right. So after graduation, from high school, did you go straight into higher learning and was theater was your major? I didn't. It, it, it kind of all got, it, it got screwed up in a, in a really great way. <clears throat> um, this wonderful lady again, Nancy Yoey, who ran Children's Theater, uh, she left Children's Theater while I was in high school and she got a job as the education director at the Caldwell Theater Company. And um, when I was 17, toward the middle to end of my senior year, uh, uh, the Caldwell was doing um, a play called The Dark at the Top of the Stairs by William Inge, and it had a 16 or 17 year old um, uh, cadet, uh, I believe he was like a West Point cadet named Sammy Goldenbaum, and she asked me and a couple other kids uh, to come in and read for Michael Hall, and I, I went and I audition, got the job, uh, and I got my equity card, and for me, my professional career was born. Now, shortly thereafter, I discovered at 17 and then later at 18 years old, you really can't have much of a career as an actor because there just aren't that many parts around. So I did Dark of the Top of the Stairs, and then I did Brighton Beach Memoirs at, um, at the Royal Palm Dinner Theater, and then I kind of found myself like, well, okay, you're, you're an 18-year-old character actor you know you're you're not good looking like rob Lowe or something you know you're you're not going to play all the all the young good looking leading parts uh, at that time what the hell are you going to do um i knew that i wanted to go to new york uh and anyway but very long story short i got a i got a scholarship to amda my my again my wonderfully supportive mom had to fly us up to new york and audition for uh, american musical and dramatic academy I got a scholarship there. I went there for one full semester, hated the acting program, loved the musical theater program, loved the voice and speech, loved everything except the one acting class, this one acting teacher who was still to this day, I I can remember how terrible she was. Uh, And so I left. I came back home for a couple of months. I actually worked at Parker Playhouse as the uh, assistant business, uh, what the hell was I? I was the, I was the assistant business manager, I guess, which, which sounds like a really cool title, but basically the business manager just kind of let me pretend like I was doing things. He would actually do all the business work because, you know, he's managing like, you know, the, the national tour of, uh, of I'm Not Rappaport with Judd Hirsch and Cleavon Little, you know, mm. these, these really big stars. And it's like, well, what is this 18-year-old kid who, you know, is an actor and everything, but he doesn't know anything about the business side of theater. What the hell is he going to have me do? So he was smart, and he had me, um, he had me take the understudies 
and some of the supporting actors, I was just, I was kind of in charge of like transporting them back and forth from theater housing to the theater, make sure they got there on time. I got to hang out with them during the shows and then occasionally he would let me do a couple of business reports or whatever. And I don't know, I mean like, you know, 10 bucks an hour or something. But I was able to kill a good three or four months back here at home while I was working um, uh, so that I could go back to New York and go to the school that I really wanted to go to, which was called the National Shakespeare Conservatory. Uh, and that program, I actually stayed there for two years and got my certificate. And, 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 and in my opinion, got the practical, real-world training that if I'm, if I'm any good at anything today, it's because of... Uh, at least in a in a technical way, um, it's because of that training. So okay. that's that's my education story. I wish I could say, hey, I went somewhere and I got my BFA and then I got my MFA, but uh, that that wasn't the route for me. However, I mean, you're still continuing on to this day, regardless of however <laughs> whatever education that you got. I mean, at least you are still doing this full time for a long period of time, like. Um, so just to state for the record, Wayne Leggett made his professional debut at the Caldwell Theater. When was Dark at the Top of the Stairs? What year was that? That was 1986. So we're talking about 33 years now. Yeah, yeah, that's that's as long as I've been an equity actor because I got my card with uh, with that show. Yeah, I mean, if I live long enough, I'll be one of those guys who'll be able to say, hey, I've been in equity for 50-something years. You know, it's, it's, it'll, it'll be cool one day. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, at this point, as the kids would say, you're considered a legend, even though, as we know, that, that, that word is, it's, it's totally overused now, but you are an accomplished, it is, it is. yeah, you are an accomplished actor. Um, what was, take me back. When, okay. like, for instance, like the Carbonell Awards, when did, have you ever attended and, and, uh, how was it like back then? Uh, yeah, no, I know. I've definitely attended in, um, let's see, I won in 89, but I, I went to a few Carbonell Awards. I want to say probably right after I did the Caldwell gig, because that was my introduction to the world of professional equity theater in South Florida. Um, uh, so I think I would, I grabbed my friend Michael St. Pierre and we would get all dressed up and, and, you know, just be in a, somewhere in the back row of the Carbonells, not really knowing anybody or whatever. Um, and, and that was back in the day when they would get, uh, somewhat significant uh, Broadway names to either, you know, be the hosts or perform. Um, Werner Templer, uh, I remember, was, uh, you know, he's uh, he's from the Hogan's Heroes fame, and he was also uh, a stage actor, and I think he was also a member of, of Equities Council. Um, the year that I won in 89, uh, the awards were at Bailey Hall back then, and he was the, he was the main presenter. Um, anyway, so, so, Michael and I would go to the Carbonells just for fun, uh, and then in 89 I got nominated for Broadway Bound at Royal Pub Theater, and I ended up winning that night, which was a ridiculous shock to me, because I, I, I mean, I'd only done three equity shows down here, and I just, I, it, it, I absolutely all... 
ego aside, I was there, there wasn't an ounce of me that was expecting to win. So I didn't prepare a speech. And mm. so I just jumped up on stage and, you know, at 19 years old, just was talking and talking and talking and talking. And I had no <laughs> idea what the hell I was, I was saying. Or I don't know, maybe I, I guess I was 20 something by then. Um, but here, here's, here's this, in, this interesting thing, and maybe, maybe we can come back to this later. Please. This is way before Facebook, obviously, way before any kind of social media. You know, now we live in a world where actors are best friends with critics on social media. Critics are tagging actors and directors and designers when they post a review uh, on Facebook. And regardless of how I feel about that, none of that happened back then. So you you rehearsed a show in your little shell of that theater in which you 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 just interacted with the other actors, the designers, and the director. You know the 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 world at large didn't necessarily know anything about what was happening. There 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 were no backstage selfies back then. It wasn't you know here's uh, Bob Bogdanoff and I um, uh, eating some popcorn or something. You know right, of it. It, it was it was different back then, and in my opinion, it was a thousand times better because when you read in the paper or got a phone call that said, "Hey, you've been nominated for this thing called the Carbonell, and you know here's the awards night, and here's you know where where to be and what to do and blah blah blah," you were overwhelmed. And I remember being at Bailey Hall. I think it was Bailey Hall. I'm almost 100% positive it was a Bailey Hall. Um, I remember being there, and I remember seeing this woman who someone told me that that was Christine Dolan, and she was way up on uh, this, this high staircase. She must have been coming down from the second floor or something like that. And I'd never met her before. Uh, I, I think that she said something nice about me in the review. I honestly don't remember. But somebody said, that's Christine Dolan. She writes in Miami Herald. She's also a Carbonell voter. And I just I made eye contact with her. And she smiled this very nice, warm smile. And in that moment, which was about two hours before they actually said my name, I went, oh my God, I think I'm going to win. <laughs> for, for no particular reason. The way Christine Dolan looked at me, I just went, and I, you know, again, never met her before. She could smile at everyone that way. I have no idea. But in that moment, I went, oh my God, I think I'm going to win. And then I went on to win. And the, the only reason that, that I'm bringing this up, aside from it's just a fun little story and a, a fun memory for me, is that can't happen today. That can't happen to anybody today because of social media and because of Facebook and because of all the rampant ass-kissing that goes on on Facebook between actors and critics and directors and designers. I mean, I don't quite understand. I, I, I guess, I guess all, all I'll say is it was better back then to just show up, do the work, get a review, not be able to go, hey, Bill, thanks so much for that review. I really appreciate blah, blah, blah. There wasn't any of that horseshit back then. Well, you bring up, actually, I hate to interrupt you, but you do bring up a topic or you're you're bringing up a topic that, of course, now between then and now with this whole thing that I still don't understand is the whole, um, what do you call it, Uh, snowflake uh, uh, situation um, about safe spaces and things and there's like one thing that actually points out is about where 
everybody gets a trophy. So you have the comparison between the Carbonell Awards and then now the Silver Palm Awards, where about you've got these 34, 35 citations where it feels like everybody is getting an award without actually, um, you know, providing the merit, if you understand what I'm saying. Oh, no, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I've, uh, I've never gotten a silver palm. I've never been contacted by the silver palm people. I, I, I have no experience with that except that several people that I know have, have won silver palms. And, and yeah, it, it seems to be uh, an, an, an award um, organization that, that's kind of like, I, I think they got started to kind of like pick up the slack where, you know, with, with Carbonell's only one person can win Best Actor in a Musical that particular year. With the Silver Palms, four people can get a Best Actor or a Best whatever they, they, they want to call it. Um, so perhaps it was created years ago uh, to, in their mind anyway, um, even things out and maybe create a, a more... Uh, level playing field i i have no experience i've never been to any one of their functions and uh i've, I've never gotten an award or been nominated for a silver palm i don't even know if one gets nominated for a silver palm i have no idea how it works mm, okay okay well let's think about it uh, well now i'm just thinking here is that when we actually were uh going back to the days of Florida art zine and the message boards. And I have to say this again, way before we had Twitter, uh, yeah. of course, uh, we had the chat rooms, which we still have today. And I remember this one topic that was brought up, the difference between being a uh, non-union professional actor where you still get compensated for your work and a union professional actor where of course, you have the strength of the union behind you. And of course, there was sure. different opinions about, you know, do we consider non-union people professional if they don't have the card? So right. Right. where where do you still, do you still stand on that in the sense of, you know, you have the card, you're considered a professional actor by trade? Um, I I think I probably took a really hard stance on that way back then. I mean, I was I was in my twenties, and I, uh, you know, at that point, I guess I was still freshly part of the union, and I was just so happy to be part of that union. Um, I'm sure that I probably took it too far back then. Um, I've calmed down, you know, I'm 50 now, and, and like like we were saying, I've been a member of that union for I don't know 30 something years, and SAG for I don't know somewhere 15 years or maybe even more than that now. Um, what, what, I guess I'll, I'll answer that in a, in a couple different ways. I've had the joy of working over at FAU on their summer seasons. I did three summer seasons. And what's wonderful about that is you work with the, the undergrads and you work with grads. You do typically two shows, one play, one musical, and there's usually three, I think, equity actors total for that summer. Um, and the kids, who are, some of them are adults, um, they, they can't wait to be equity. They can't wait to join the union. They can't wait. They, they can't ask enough questions about, you know, how, 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 
how can I become a union and how is this going to work and, and what are the salaries and what's the, what's the pension like and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I like the fact that there are so many actors that have a healthy respect for the fact that unions are there. Um, something that I, I would, uh, I did some private acting coaching for a while and, and whenever the subject of union membership would, would come up with, with one of the students, they'd say, well, you know, is, is it necessary that I join SAG? Is it necessary that I join equity? And I was like, well, if you stay in Florida, it absolutely is not necessary. You can, you can have a career. You can, you know, go from your 20s into your 80s and do non-union commercials and non-union theater. And, uh, you know, because Florida's a right-to-work state, you can work at an equity theater under an equity contract and still never actually join the union and, and pay the initiation fee and pay the dues and stuff um, and, and, and get all the benefits of equity during that particular show and then, you know, do a community theater show the, the very next week or, you know, do a play at the church the very next week, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I, think, I think we have to think about something as simple as what's your favorite TV show? or what's your favorite movie? Every actor that is in your favorite network TV show is a member of SAG-AFTRA. Everybody, every single person, every crew member is a person of IATSE. Um, the playwright who wrote it is a member of the union. The person who directed it is a member of the union. The first assistant director is a member of a union. <laughs> the whole world of show business is unions. Whether anybody likes it or not, it is a fact. And if you wanna have a long-term career, you're going to have to come across it at some point. I mean, if, if, if it's going to become your, your primary work, if it's going to be not just a passion or not just a hobby, but like what you do every single day, or at least what you pursue doing every single day, you're at some point, if you're any good at all, you're going to come across some job that needs you to be union or you've done a, a, a number of uh, TV jobs and now, you know, SAG is sending you that, that letter that says, hey, it's time for you to join, um, you know, with, with equity, you've, you've done your 40 weeks or 50 weeks or whatever the heck it is now uh, of your equity membership candidate program and then you're, 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 you're able to join um, and, and you just have to, in my opinion, you know, pull up your, your big boy britches and say, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. Not just, not just this year and next year, but I, I want to do this when I'm 50 and I want to do this when I'm 60 and I want to, I want to retire. And you know, even if my pension is $7 and 23 cents, I'm going to get a pension from actors equity for $7 and 23 cents. And the guy next to me who is not equity is not, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about in South Florida. If this were New York, if this were LA, it's an absolute, just fucking total no brainer. You're either union or you're not. The last thing I'll leave you with, and this is something that, that you can look up because I'm, I'm not a thousand percent sure this is still in effect. The wording in equity rule books used to be, and possibly, I don't know, but it possibly still is. When it would refer to uh, equity members and non-equity members, it would refer to them as professionals and non-professionals. That was that was just the legal way it would it would word it, and it wasn't trying to you know knock anybody down or try to 
to have any kind of attitude. It was it was simply making a point. You know, the the equity member shall be paid such and such, and the theater shall use a ratio of non-professionals of sixty percent, and the non-professionals should be paid blah blah blah. It it was just you know flat legal language. But I I always thought it interesting that right there in the rule books was the word non-professional, and I thought, wow, that is. That is not going to fly with 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 a lot of people. Not um, today, so anyway. Applaud, yeah, yeah. So I, I I applaud all the young kids uh, at FAU. I, I applaud everybody that that I see uh, posting on Facebook. You know, I'm so excited. I got my equity card. I picked it up at Equity today. It got mailed to me today. You know, because uh, that person at 24 um, is still going to be a member and still going to be doing it when they're 64, and they're a member of my club. So I think they're cool. So try to um, something to, to tie into what we're talking about now, and I know that uh, we'll, we'll we'll move on. But um, you, we were mentioning, or we, we were talking about um, younger actors who are just graduating from college and are ready to go to the next market that is going to provide them a living wage, like either a New York or Los Angeles. Um, what do you say to them? I mean, do you think that uh, they should actually get a little bit more work under their belt in the space that they are now before they start jetting off to the next thing? Or is it just like, if they're ready to go, just go? I would say if they are just graduating with like a bachelor's, um, if they tr- if they truly have a passion to go to either New York or LA, like I mean, it, it is it is everything to them. They absolutely do not want to stay either in Florida or in Indiana or in wherever they are, and they ha- they 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 feel this compelling need to go to such a big market. Then absolutely, they have to do it. They they have to pursue their dreams. If if somebody who's a little bit on the fence and says, you know, I could stay here and work a little bit first, then I say, absolutely stay here, work a little bit first, get your union card, and then go. Get get off the plane in New York City with your equity card, if you're going into stage acting, or your SAG card, if you're going into film and TV stuff, or if you're lucky enough to get both, you're already so far ahead of the game. And you will be, whether anybody wants to like it or not, it's a fact. You will be taken more seriously as a professional if you have those cards than if you don't. And you're talking about being in a market with the best people in the universe as your competition. You know, everybody's just as pretty as you. Everybody's just as good as you. Everybody got the same, you know, degree and and got all this great training from wherever they came from. And you're all, you know, lined up in in the equity building uh, in your little blazers or your, your, you know, your high heels or whatever. And you're ready to go into that audition. And there's 200 of you and you all look alike and you're all going to sing the same thing. Um... It's better if you've got that card in your pocket than if you don't. It doesn't matter so much here in South Florida, I will say that. Unfortunately, I will say that again. Uh, but definitely for, for New York or L.A., if you can find a way to get at least one of your cards, um, then I would do that. So I know this is going to be a tense question, but what made you stay here for so long? Yeah, it, no, it, it's not a tense question at all. And again, now that I'm that I'm old, I can totally fess up to it. Um, 
I would I would leave and I would come back and I would leave and I would come back uh, and I and I I can't remember exactly what year but I did that all the way up to like oh God I want to say 2007 or eight I mean I, I just I I, would, I I constantly just kept going to New York and then coming back um, but it was always either a job or a woman that brought me back to South Florida unfortunately that is the truth there was always either <laughs> solid employment or a chick that got me back here. And I used to beat myself up about that. And I used to regret that. Now I don't. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. And now I know that uh, you've actually uh, got some film work under your belt. I mean, of course, we all know, or most of us should know, that film and commercials, they pay the bills for us to sure. feed our stage uh, our, our, our stage cravings, but um, I guess at, at heart, I guess you're a stage guy. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, I started off that way, and I'm sure I will I will always remain that way, and no matter how many of these film and TV castings that I go to, I don't book nearly as much as, as some other people, especially a lot of the other guys um, who just do that and, you know, maybe have done five plays in their entire life. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I have no idea if it's either a difference in look or it's a difference in commitment or, you know, I mean, today was a, was a great audition because the director was cool. I got to read this monologue like four times. He had me do it all sorts of different ways. And I even thanked him afterwards. I said, you know, you, you don't often get a chance to have an experience like this at a film and TV casting. This is really cool. So whether I get the job or not, um, at least I know that I was able to bring the skills that I think I possess to the table um, today, even though I was standing there in front of a camera and couldn't even project as loudly as I'm projecting now to you on the phone. Um, so I, I certainly wish that I got more film and TV work. It certainly would be so much easier um, because, you know, film, film work is, is hard. It, in some ways, it's harder and in some ways, it's a billion times easier um, because you do it for a significantly shorter period of time. Also, when you're doing either uh, a TV scene or, or a film scene or certainly a commercial, you do it and then you're done and you never have to do it again. Mm. Okay. Or a play, you know, you're doing it for weeks. Right, right. So take me to a time where, of course, um, well, let me ask this question. Now that, of course, you are in a particular point in your career where you are, I can't say, I mean, these, this is probably the best, best time of your life right now uh, to be, of so. course, you know, giving the advice to younger leader, younger leading men and younger matinee idols uh, that are uh, on the come up. But um how often are the gigs coming in now as opposed to when you were younger? They're not coming in quite as often. Um, and that is twofold. That's, I, I think it has to do with just the fact that I'm older and there are only, you know, so many parts out there. Um, and when you're in your, I was going to say 20s and 30s, but certainly when you're in your 30s and even early 40s, everybody seems to embrace those actors. The actors that are now the hot people in South Florida, none of them are in my age group. They're all younger. Um, 
And every now and then that bugs me. And then I look back and I go, okay, well, wait a minute. When you were 35 or 34 or even in your early 40s, you couldn't stop working. And every time you went out there and did a show, you got a good review. People would, would often sometimes not being very nice, uh, being, you know, I'd be in the dressing room, we'd be getting ready for opening night or whatever, and everybody's nervous, and I'm just as nervous as anybody else, and somebody would say something a little left-handed, like, well, you know, come on, you're Wayne Leggett, you know you're going to get out there and get a good review. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I fucking do not know I'm going to go out there and get a good review. Well, I can tell you this, nowadays, it's a miracle if I go out there and get a good review. If I do get a good review, you know what these um, <clears throat> people say? It's usually, uh, you know, veteran actor Wayne Legat, or, you know, the, the basically just, you know, implying, well, the guy who's been around forever, of course he's fine. But, oh my God, this guy who's in his 30s? Holy shit, let's go on for 45 paragraphs talking about him. And not that whoever that is doesn't deserve it, it's just like I go, I sit back and I go, okay, I remember. I remember when those paragraphs used to be about me. Right. And it's, a, it's, just, it's, just, it's just a shift. And you know what? I'm about to do a world premiere play at the Malt Jupiter Theater, which is the highest paying, most respected theater in South Florida. Um, you know, uh, it, it, it's a world premiere. The show's never been done before. We, we literally have four weeks of rehearsal, which is a week more than most regional theaters often get because we are developing the play uh, in the room with the two writers, and one of the writers is the director. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with the fact that I'm not going to do three or four shows this year because I got this one that, in my opinion, beats out all the others. Is this the first time that you've worked with the Maltz, or have you worked with the Maltz before? I've worked with the Maltz before. I think this will be my fifth show there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they are, of course, uh, I, 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 please forgive me if uh, if I'm incorrect, but they're a Lort Theater. Are they still a Lort Theater? They are. They are. They are a Lort. Um, the category is called a B plus, and there's only two B pluses in the state of Florida, the Oslo in Sarasota and uh, the Maltz in Jupiter. Okay. All right. So nice, cush, nice cushy green room, beautiful dressing rooms, uh, you know, everything that uh, an actor could want. True. Yes. As opposed and, to and, a and, janitor's class. incredible support staff. Definitely. Definitely. So I guess through your, um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up in a sense of, sure. Um, you know, give me a story about one of your worst experiences uh, in <laughs> performing or actually in, okay. in performance. Okay, uh, I'll try to make this brief. Uh, it was 1999. It was I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change at Actors Playhouse. We had moved the show from the 600-seat theater to the 300-seat theater. We've been playing the show up there for maybe three months, I want to say, maybe even four months at that point. Um, because uh, Dave knew the show was a hit and we were going to run it for an, un and we, we were going to do an open-ended run, which was at that time, and I think to date, unprecedented for any uh, equity regional theater in South Florida. Um, he hired two understudies, a male understudy, a female understudy, and he told the four of us who originated it, guys, feel free, 
to come and go. If you get another job and you really want to do it, you know, give us some advance notice. We'll get the understudy uh, up to snuff and have them ready to go for you. And you can literally close the show on a Sunday, go and do your other show for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, whatever, and then come back to the show. So it was this fantastic thing um, that uh, Steve Anthony and I actually took advantage of. So this particular Sunday, I knew it was my last show. I was about to have my Monday off and start rehearsals Tuesday at Coconut Grove Playhouse for I'm pretty sure the production was Rags. Uh, at the end of the first act, uh, there's a bride and a groom. We're singing this big number. All four people are on stage. And I was blocked to pretend as the groom that I don't want to get married so much that I am climbing up the, uh, uh, I'm, I'm like climbing up the wall of the church in order to try to get out. And I grabbed onto this thing that I have grabbed onto for four months straight every single night no issues this particular sunday matinee this thing that i grabbed onto this big iron lattice work thing completely came off i fell about seven feet backwards onto my butt the thing hit me in the face just hard enough that blood started shooting out of my nose and it cut my lip um, it zonked Margot in the head. She was standing next to me and she was trying to also brace my fall. Steve Anthony and my ex-wife Stacey Schwartz are out um, in the audience singing. They have their backs to us. They can't even tell that this has happened until the stage manager sees that blood is all over my uh, tuxedo shirt and he says, you know, over the, the god mic, ladies and gentlemen, we will be taking our intermission now. <laughs> and... Uh, and the paramedics came and my nose was fine and, you know, everybody called and everybody was all, you know, worried that I was going to sue the theater or whatever and the work, workers' comp and all this kind of stuff. Nothing like that ever happened, uh, except that I was really bruised and beat up and had a really tough uh, Tuesday rehearsal at Coconut Grove Playhouse uh, a couple days after. Um, because that was the world of no Facebook and no Twitter and no horseshit like that, as I will say, somehow the word got out to to uh, Joe Adler, um, who had, you know, he wasn't at Actors Playhouse, he's Gable Stage, he had nothing to do with the theater, and I remember him calling me that night around like 8 or 9 o'clock, he said, hey, Wayne, I heard that you fell on the stage and you bled all over the place and you got hurt, are, you know, how, are, 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 are you okay, are you going to be okay, did you break anything, whatever, and I just wish that we lived in that world, because if that happened today, Everyone in the universe would instantly know, and there'd be 9,000 pictures of, of Wayne and the bloody shirt and the paramedics oh, yes. coming, and, you know, I just, I love the idea that only the people involved needed to know, and somebody as cool as Joe Adler, who even had nothing to do with the experience, just was a good enough guy and picked up the phone and said, hey, are you okay? Are you going to be okay? I, I just wish that, that, that we lived in that world. I'll, I guess I'll close with that. I wish that there was a little bit less of the media frenzy that there is today. I think it would be a fairer, more professional world. Would So in that particular case, do you feel that the camaraderie of theater professionals these days is being challenged as opposed to back then? Yes, I do. I think it's, I think it's just harder. I, I think, you know, because we, we, the, the minute we walk into a rehearsal on the first day of the read through, 
which, you know, is an exciting day for everybody. But, I mean, the, the second we step through the door, we have our phones out immediately taking pictures of everything, chronicling it like it's the second coming. And mm. it's like, no, it's just another day at work. It's a really cool day at work. I mean, I guarantee when we when I, when I, I start rehearsals at Malt on October the 1st, everybody's going to be posting stuff on Facebook, including me. You know, hey, what a cool project. You know, right, we began the first day of rehearsal on our world premiere, whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just as guilty. Well, I shouldn't say I'm just as guilty of it. I'm a little bit as guilty of it as others. I don't know. I, I just, I just wish that that we could go back to, you know, you walk into the playhouse and you see Christine Dolan and you have never met her before and you see this look on her face and you're like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What, you know, is 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 that just the look of like, oh, that's that's that way we get kid who was good in that show, that in some way is better than all the ass-kissing that I see on Facebook any day. I'll take that moment over the rampant ass-kissing that goes on on Facebook today. So do you feel that after Jack Zink, who was the primary critic for the Sun Sentinel, uh, as you probably know the stories, you know, he would come in, he would pay for his ticket, after he saw the show, he would leave and he would write about it. Do you feel that yeah. this shift happened once he passed away or once he stepped down from the from uh, being critic? No. Um, uh, you know, I actually didn't know some of those things about Jack. That's 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 very cool. Um, no, I don't I don't think the shift happened then. I think the shift happened with Facebook, honestly. Right. <laughs> I mean, look, I wouldn't be married to the woman that I'm married to if it wasn't for Facebook. I got, I got a lot of things to be grateful for as far as social media goes. And, you know, Facebook is great for, like, you know, finding out that, that, that teacher of mine from when I was a kid, Miss Yoey, passed away and what the, the funeral arrangements and stuff, you know, fa- Facebook def- definitely serves a purpose. But where it really hurts people is, you know, hey, I'm doing a show, and here are the pictures of the show, and it's the greatest show in the history of the world. It's better than any other show that's ever been done, or I've ever been done. And now we're closing the show, and oh my god, I'm so sad that I'm closing the greatest show that's <laughs> ever been done in any theater that's ever been done, right. with the best director, you know what I mean? And it's just like, stop! Stop! Right. Yes. 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 Well, and even worse than that, is the oh and thank you for the review thank you for the review stop thanking people for the damn review don't thank somebody for the review you did the work you showed up you're the 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 audience is thanking you and if the critics said hey that guy was great then that's it right there it's over it's done that's the way it's supposed to work and if they said hey i didn't like what so-and-so did then you process that on your own time and, you know, you call your friends and bitch about it or talk to your parents about it and bitch about it. But we don't have to go on and tell the entire world about these experiences that, in my opinion, shouldn't be told. I don't know. I just wish people would stop posting reviews. on <laughs> just, just stop already. The, the funny thing is that they don't post the negative reviews. They don't post the negative right. re- critiques. It's all about the positive. 
And, exactly. Uh, I want to see one of these ass kissers, just one. I want them to post something where, it, you know, it says, uh, I, I don't know, I'll pull a name out of a hat. Blake Hartland was so absolutely terrible in this, he should never be in theater again as long as he lives. If he were to post that on Facebook, and I, I, I don't think Clay posts anything, so I'm just making fun of him for no particular reason. Um, but if, if he or, or any, any of the other folks who post all these incredibly wonderful things would post one of the negative ones, I'd have so much more respect for them. And I'd be like, oh, okay, great. If you can post the bad, then you know what? You are allowed to post the good. Sure. Do you see shades of you in Clay? Because I feel like he was the next Lane Leggett. <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't have that much interaction with him. I, I mean, we've done a couple of shows together. We do a lot of voiceovers and stuff together, but we don't actually work together in the same room. Um, but occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll run into him down there. Um, I mean, that's that's interesting. I don't think I've ever filled the the, the niche that, that Clay fills right now. I think he's the... He's the quirky guy. Um, I don't know that I was ever the quirky guy. Maybe I was. I don't know. Um, I think I've always been the character guy, um, which is a little bit different. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he plays. Uh, he's a he's a stand up guy. He does his <clears throat> he does his business. Um, he's he's good. Uh, and I think uh, he just got his equity card like a year or so ago. Maybe maybe a few months ago or a year ago. I don't know. I heard something about that. I know Leah. Uh, Sessa, his girlfriend, did get her equity card, and I think she said Owen Clay did too, but uh, okay. I could be wrong. All right. And I will try to, like I said, we'll try to close this up because I know we contrasted the worst experience, but was there a time where you felt like, yes, you nailed this performance? Can you give me that? There, there have been, there, thank goodness there have been several times that I think I nailed this performance, but I'll tell you, just real quick, uh, what what I still remember as one of my most thrilling experiences. There's a musical called The Rothschilds um, okay. that I actually got some pretty mediocre to bad reviews in. Um, people just said, wow, Wayne is really miscast in this. We don't, we don't, we don't really like him in this. Uh, it was at Coconut Grove Playhouse, you know, at that time. 1200 seats it was a jewish themed show and that theater was absolutely packed opening night 1200 people it was like playing a broadway house and coming from a guy who's never played a broadway house and probably never will play a broadway house that's as close as i'm going to get my character was the uh the main son so the first act is dominated by uh this wonderful actor who played my father and then the second act was dominated by my character so i got the second to last curtain call and when i came out the sound of 1200 people who disagreed with the critics for whatever reason and really liked what i did that it, out of out of anything that i've done before or since and i think i was about 20 it was about 27-ish year, 26, 27. That was truly one of the most thrilling moments of my life, was coming out there and going, oh, my God, do you hear that sound? I mean, I'm talking to myself in my head. I'm like, holy shit, do you hear that sound? Do you hear that? That, okay, uh, I would do this for free. That's the most <laughs> incredible thing I've ever heard or experienced. And uh, that doesn't happen today. It doesn't happen at all. Well, uh, you know, that's that's pure vindication that you know that you're on the right path when something like that happens. So, um, 
thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule in order to speak with oh, me. Of course. Um, I don't have a schedule now. I don't start rehearsal until October. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing in the meantime, uh, like in between gigs? You do your coaching. What else do you do? Uh, mainly it's the, uh, it's, it's the voice dubbing. Uh, there's, uh, there's three or four studios in Miami that do uh, all this voice dubbing of telenovelas and foreign films that a huge number of us uh, do. Um, it, there, there used to be much more work, and it used to really be a, like, a, like a really excellent uh, side job. Now it's kind of just a part-time kind of thing, um, but it is once a week, uh, and it is, uh, uh, you know, if, if you're working at all three studios, um, that can be an hour, two, three hours at, at, at some studio. Uh, and you're, you know, you're playing various characters and you're cold reading as fast as you can. You're trying to be creative and good. Uh, so I do that every week. Um, in addition to trying to go on as many film and TV castings as my agent will send me out for. And, uh, right now, uh, it, it, it's been all about my mom. She's, she's, she's coming up on 91. She's got some very interesting new health issues going on. We're trying to transition her from assisted living to a nursing home. She's been in the hospital twice. So I'm, I'm really glad, actually, that I haven't had a theater project this summer as much as I wanted one a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Uh, I couldn't have been able, like I went, you know, I saw her twice today at the nursing home. Come next month in October, it doesn't matter what's going on, I won't be able to do that. So right. I'm really happy that I'm able to, to do that stuff now. And um, I know that I once saw you in a cabaret show uh, mm-hmm. up in uh, Palm Beach. Uh, are you still mm-hmm. doing cabaret work? Um, I am. I'm not doing as much of it as I want to, but uh, actually right after the malt show, um, I have a, a date booked uh, for uh, a, uh, I don't know what it's called. It's just a, it's a, it's a big uh, home, uh, I guess, in, in Boca um, that, that I performed at last year and uh, they emailed me and they said, hey, you know, would you come back if you just change your show up and don't do the same songs as you sang last year? You know, we'd love to have you back. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't do nearly as much of uh, that as like somebody like Shelly Keeler. Um, uh, but, uh, but yes, I have at least one gig uh, in uh, 2019. <laughs> okay, great, great. So yeah. if people want to learn more about you and your uh, upcoming performances and where they can find you, what's your website? Uh, it's my name. It's waynelegette.com, W-A-Y-N-E-L-E-G-E-T-T-E.com. All right. Great. Well, once again, Big Wayne, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on and, and, uh, and waxing poetic with me. And of course, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, you know, we will see the uh, the raging reviews up at the malts, <laughs> and uh, you know, keep doing what you do. Well, thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate you uh, having me on, and I hope I didn't get myself into too much trouble. But I'm sure I did. <laughs> well, it really depends on how much you share the interview. If you don't share it, people won't know. But that's true. <laughs> that's that's basically the way it goes. I love it. Social media rules again. <laughs> of course. So, All right, man. Thank you very much for this. I really appreciate it. Of course. And that was, again, the Kevin Johnson program. Thank you so much for listening to us. You can find out more about the creatives of arts, culture, and co- entertainment here in South Florida by going to anchor.fm forward slash Kev John Pro 
Once again, we're also on Facebook and Twitter at KevJohnPro. And as always, don't forget to support your local community. Take care.